Colossians chapter 1. I want to thank everyone for helping me on sending I did not know that cards and I did not know that letters and I did not know that emails. Uh, I used quite a bit of them. I didn't, just didn't have the time. I just didn't have the time to use everybody's uh, that, they, that they sent in. But man, thank you for such a good uh, turnout for that. That helped, that helped make those two sermons. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So I'm going to do that today concerning one of the, I did not know that. Dallas Dury says that he does not have a belly button. And I think he felt during the course of the sermon, me talking about it, that I really wasn't believing him because the whole time he sat back there, he's going, looking over at his wife and she's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also said, don't walk up there during that sermon to prove that. Well, after the sermon was over, up he bounded on the stage along with Jeff Hertenstein, Logan Hackworth, and myself. So there was three witnesses witnessing this. And he's, I got something to show you. And I already knew what, yeah, what he's going to show me. And he just starts going like this. You know, I'm watching. He doesn't have no belly button. It looked like special effects out of a movie. I mean, you're... You're expecting to see it. You know what belly buttons look like. And it's just smooth with a little bit of hair. The weirdest thing. Yeah. So, he ain't lying. Colossians chapter 1. Tremendous verses here. Wow. Starting with verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Jesus that are in heaven. And by him all things that were created in earth. Those things that are visible. Those things that are invisible. Now you catch that word invisible. This is way before any microscope. And yet they know that there's a world out there that you cannot see both in heaven and even in this world. That it would take additional help to be able to see if something was visible or invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. By him all things stick together. By him, all things are fashioned together. He's the glue, people. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the firstborn of the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he might have the preeminence. This is why we lift up Jesus in this church. In all things that he would have the preeminence. Oh, they got a wonderful preacher there. They got a wonderful singing group there. Oh, they've got a wonderful drama team there. They ain't got nothing to do with it that he would have the preeminence. Because he is worthy. 
For it pleased the Father, oh, this is another good one. For it pleased the Father that in Jesus should all the fullness dwell. And here's another one. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. Hallelujah. I have peace with God. Not through my own good works or good looks. Through the cross. Through the cross. That by Jesus... By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. Thank God. I better quit there. Wow, wonderful verses. Our verse, the uh, key verse we'll draw our text from is verse number 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things stick together. By him all things are held together. Father, take the few words that we will preach here this morning, and I am believing, Lord, it's going to be beneficial for the hearer. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher, my life is just falling apart. You don't have the right thing holding your life together then. Preacher, my life is falling apart. I've lost everything. You don't have the right thing holding your life together. Jesus is the glue that holds my life together. This week I seen on the news where Mick Jagger's girlfriend committed suicide. You know what that tells me? She did not have the right stuff holding her life together. She was depending on someone else. She was depending, I'm sure, that Mick was telling her that he was her God. What a pitiful substitute for the real thing. Amen. Two major things in my life. I don't want anybody, particularly the children and kids in this church, to ever be shipwrecked. And number two... I want every one of you to know that you can be everything that God wants you to be. And let me throw this in here as well. I've heard from time to time people talk about, well, it's just so far for me to get to church. Probably everybody here is driving at least 30 minutes to get here. I know Philip and Connie Lewis, they drive nearly an hour to get here. Justin and Jody and Aaron Newby, they drive nearly an hour to get here. And both of those families have told me, preacher, it's a sacrifice, but we feel that it's worth it. I mean, you drive 30 minutes to go get a good steak. That's right. Don't tell me any different. That's right. And yet, we'll begrudge your time that you spend getting here to the house of God. You shouldn't be that way. Now, I'm going to ask them trivia questions to get this started. What kind of wood goes into making pallets? Hardwood, somebody said. That's right. Yeah, that's true, too. 
What percentage of all hardwoods that is produced every year goes into making pallets? Yell it out loud where I can hear it. 60, no. 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 No, 40 was pretty close. 45%. Most pallets can easily handle lifting and having a ton of weight upon them. There are in circulation in America right now in companies and factories all over the United States, two billion with a B pallets are being used in America. It is a three, no, it is a six billion dollar business per year. Wow. And I worked in a factory for 11 years and I heard this statement every day. I heard somebody in that plant or myself say this thing every day. I need a pallet. Pallets are useful. Pallets are needed. And the amazing thing about these pallets, and here's some nails right here. This one here has been broken off, and you got all these nails right here. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, and a ladybug right there <laughs> that's holding this pallet together right there on this one thing. So it takes a lot of nails to hold these pallets together. Question, what kind of nail are you? You know what kind of nail I'd like that I want to be and I want every person in Orchardville Church to be? I'd like for you to be a ring shank nail. Because a ring shank nail, once you drive that thing, it's next to impossible for you to pull that out. Well, I'm just going to pull out, preacher, and go somewhere else. Well, you ain't no ring shank nail. That's right. That's right. You're some little bitty skinny sissy Brad nail. That my wife thinks a brad nail can hold up anything. <laughs> Years ago, we had that, whatever it was called, everybody had that kind of stuff on their wall from paintings to, uh, what was it? Home interior. And we had a home interior couple of a farmer. And she had it up on a deal when we lived over here in the log cabin and uh, that I built with my own two hands. Uh, what was I saying? All right, and, uh, and she'd hung that thing up on one of the, right in the end of the wood, right into one of those logs, and held it up with a brad nail. And we came home from whatever it was, probably from church, and uh, got home, and they'd fell. And it broke the farmer's head plumb off. <laughs> and she tried gluing it back on, and the head had come off, and Josh, he showed up one night, and he said, I think he, after he seen the head glued there, or it was fell off, and uh, he just glued the farmer's head, because how it was, was the farmer was like this with a shovel, and his hand was like this, so Josh just glued the farmer's head in his hand, <laughs> like this. But be to where you're not willing to, to just be pulled out, to where you're willing to stick. I preached a message one time all about nails. 
how there's about a thousand different types of nails. And I asked George Thomason before that message, I said, George, I'm going to preach on nails. What can you tell me about a nail? And George looked at me and he said, well, they're all made to be driven. Woo, that was really good. And that's how I ended that message. We're driven. We're made to be driven. God wants to use each and every one of us. We're made to be driven. The devil is a liar, and the devil will try to pull you down, and he will try to cheat you out of where God wants you to go in your life. Young people, don't waste your life. Don't be a lemming. God produced you as an original at conception, and so many people die a cheap copy of someone else. Don't be like somebody else. Be yourself. Be who God created you to be. Years ago, God gave me this thought, and it wasn't, I knew it was God because it wasn't me. I wasn't thinking along this. I wasn't thinking about it. I picked up a red funnel, just like a funnel, just like upright that you'd pour oil into your car. And I looked at that funnel, and I said, there's my brother's life. My brother, when he was a teenager, you couldn't tell him nothing. And mom and dad would tell him, and he'd say, yeah, yeah, I know, I'll do it, I'll do it. You know, he's just like that little you know, doll. Yeah, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. Knowing full well that he wasn't going to do it. You just couldn't tell him nothing. And, and, and he done whatever he wanted to do. He done as he wanted to darn well please. And he was just like that funnel. Toward the mouth of that funnel is here, and it just gets con more constricted and more constricted and more constricted. And he done what he wanted to do. If he wanted to do drugs, that's what he wanted to do. If he wanted to have sex, that's what he wanted to do. That's what he did. He figured he was just big enough to just do whatever he wanted to do. But you know what? As the Spirit of God began re just relaying this in my spirit with this red funnel that I seen out in the building that we had, a storage shed, and I seen how that that funnel, it just gets, the further it goes, the more constricted it gets. Toward then my brother's life, after he was uh, arrested and went to prison. He went to prison one time for a year, and after that he got out, and there again, mom and dad telling him, yeah, 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 and him doing just, you know, whatever he wanted to do. And he got through back in the next time, and he was in the prison for 11 years, and I always thought of that red funnel. Because now he's living in a prison cell, 10 by 12 or whatever they measure, and now his, 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 his living quarter is confined, and it's more confined and more confined and more constricted and more constricted, and now he is not just doing anything he wants to do. They're telling him when to get up, when to go to bed, what to eat, what to wear, what to do. And we'd go visit my brother, and there was one time that we seen him when he was at Stateville Prison. And I went to look over to Kay and say something, but before I could, Greg had already made it to where, he, where we were at to sit down. And I was going to tell Kay, something's happened. 
Because no matter where we was at, there was just this attitude of nobody was going to tell me nothing. And when he sat down across from us, he grabbed my hand and he said, Mark, there's no hope in this place. People serving two and three life sentences. And if they got mad and killed someone in prison, what are they going to do? Give them another life sentence? They don't care. And Greg said when he got there, the, the, uh, one of the instructors there told him, I want to do you a favor. I'm going to put you in lockdown, solitary confinement for 30 days. And Greg said he was there, and after the third day, his light bulb went out. And he would tell the people that brought him his food, hey, I don't have no light in here. We'll get to it. And he said the only time he seen daylight or any seen any light was when they opened that little thing up and get his food, slid his food into him. That was it. He said you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Darkness. He said when they let him out, he said he was in the population. So the first time that he was in the chow, the mess hall, he sat across from another uh, white man because it was uh, mainly, he said it was blacks in that area near Chicago up there. And the man sat across from him with a white guy and said, hey, I hear you're from Wayne County. And, and Greg said, yeah, where are you from? And he said, Jefferson County. And Greg said, well, what are you in here for? He said, well, I killed my whole family. And Greg goes, well, you're Tommy Odell. He said, that's right. You want the rest of your applesauce? And Greg said, you can have it. <laughs> but once Greg got out of prison... There again, there was a change. When me and Kay picked him up, and this moves me every time I think about it, when we picked him up, there at that federal pen, and the only time I ever seen a federal guard smile, I walked in and I said, I'm here for my little brother. And he smiled and he said, he's sitting right back there. And Greg jumped up and we hugged and he went outside walking toward the car at every step that he was taking. There was just more of a look of freedom, of freedom, of liberty, of freedom on his face that it was sinking in that I am free. And he rededicated his life to Jesus. And there again, think about that funnel. Now turn that funnel up upside down. Now his life is now going the other way to where the more freedom and liberty. He started coming to this church and hardly missing a Sunday or missing a Wednesday night. Then he met Becky Isle and married a wonderful Christian woman. We're really proud of Becky. Yeah. And they got married, and before that, Greg, he had, he had uh, bought a double wide, and he had it set up, and then me and him, we went in halves on another little place and, uh, for her sister and uh, bought it to where she have a good place to live, and, and then when him and Becky was married, they, he moved into her brick home, and, 
George Thomas, and he said, man, God's blessings all over that guy. He went from a 10 to 12, now he owns three homes. <laughs> and now about a month ago, his daughter Jaden is living with them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. In Acts 27, it tells about a shipwreck that happened. And the course of that, it says that there were three different people, types of people that swam, that got, got to shore. One was those that swam to shore. The, some made it on boards, and some made it on broken pieces. And I don't care what, the, I don't care what you think about this. When it says a broken piece, it could have been, it could have been a, a sliver of this board right here laid off in the ocean. That was a broken piece, and God said, if you get on board that, you're going to make it. And my message today is, even if you're a broken piece, God can still use broken pieces, thank God. Broken pieces. And I know there are people here in this church, your life has been a broken piece. You've been shipwrecked and you become a broken piece. Let God have your broken piece. The wonderful verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, when Jesus tells Simon Peter, after he had failed, he had failed Jesus miserably, and, and, and Jesus tells Simon Peter, from now on, you're going to catch fish. From now on, you've caught fish, but he said, from now on, you're going to catch men like you used to catch fish. You're going to be in my kingdom, and from now on. What Jesus is telling him, I don't care about from that, that whatever your thing was that in your past that was stopping you from back here. No, Jesus said, from now on, you're going to catch fish. Like you're going to catch men like you used to catch fish. Simon Peter, don't let your past stop you. From now on, you're going to lift up your voice, Simon Peter, and you're going to catch men like you used to catch fish. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. See, some of you have had success from here back. I know preachers this way. They've had some success from here back. And because of that, it stops them, and they just get, well, you know, back in the good old days. You know, it was in the good old days, you know, and they ain't doing anything from here on. And then there are other people that you have had no success. All you've ever known was failure from here back, and that stops you from having success from here on. Don't let the enemy stop you. Whether you've had success, forget that. Whether you've had failure, forget that from here on. Jesus again tells Simon Peter, fear not, from now on you will catch men into my kingdom. Jesus could see the day of Pentecost happening. Jesus could see the gate beautiful where the man well, was he needed a, a deliverance and healing in his, in, his, in his body, in his legs. He could not walk. And Jesus could already see that. He could see that. He could see that, that Simon Peter was going to say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise up and walk. Jesus could see his from here, from now on, from now on, from now on. 
Jesus could see Simon Peter at Cornelius' house. In the Old Testament, Jacob steals the birthright from his brother Esau. 20 years, Jacob is a backslider, run from God. His name meant deceiver and cheater. And God changed him, and from now on, he was referred to as Israel, the friend of God. Preacher, I've wasted my life. Well, you're like Jacob was then. Preacher, I've been immoral. Well, you're like David was then. Preacher, I killed a man. Well, so did Moses. But God didn't let that stop him. And from now on, from here on, he was going to do something new in that guy's life. Preacher, I've disobeyed God. Well, so did Jonah. But from now on, you can start following God. Preacher, I denied Jesus. So did Simon Peter. Hosea's wife became a prostitute. Years later, she was sold as a slave. Now, I want you to think of that. That's how the devil always does. He wrings the good part out of a person. He wrings the good part. Don't say that she was, uh, she was a prostitute and years later she was sold as a prostitute. No. Her beauty was gone. Nobody wanted her now. All she was was a slave now. And you know what Hosea did? He went and bought her back. And from here on, her life became a blessing to Hosea and to their children. I have had, in my own life, I've had a wonderful from here back. But you know what? I'm believing God for a wonderful from here on. From here back, yeah. From here on, yeah. The Lord has not required any of us to be a Billy Graham. But the Lord has required each of us to be a nail to hold together, just like that Jesus is the one that holds us all together and by whom we all consist. Don't pull out. Don't be so easily, well, I'm just offended and I'm just out of here. Don't do that. How many here has got a family? It's like what Clint Eastwood, that one movie he made, I've always thought about that. There's your family right there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> There's your family. And you know, you have problems with your family. You know, you just got a few people within your family. Consider the church. Consider Orchardville Church with over a thousand people in attendance. There's always going to be some feelings that get hurt. But you know when the church really does good? When everybody's not after their rights. Well, I, my, I've been offended. My right. No. Let's get beyond that. The Old Testament, God said his people was like a tent peg. They were where God wants them to be. They were doing what God wanted them to do. I've had people ask me this before. Preacher, where would you like to live? Well, I know where my wife would like to live because all the time we was out there, she was just bragging about, oh, there's no bugs here, and it's, it's not hot, and it's just so great, Colorado Springs. She's really like Colorado Springs. If I had my wildest desire to live wherever I would want to live, I'd live in my train depot out south of Keynes, and I'd pastor Orgerville Church. Oh, come on. I'm not lying about it. This is where God has planted me. Amen. 
Now, in the New American Standard Version of the Bible, it says that they, you're going to finish the sentence here. They let down the man that was paralyzed through the roof on a pallet. And it wasn't a wood pallet. I'm sure it was a pallet made out of rope. But nevertheless, they used that word. There again, pallets are needed. As a pallet, you are needed in the work of God. I need a pallet. I'm saying the same thing to this church. I need a pallet. Because pallets, it's hard to get the work done if you don't have a pallet. The name Richard Dorch probably means nothing to almost every person in this building. Richard Dorch was born in Granite City, Illinois. Uh, he became a missionary to Belgium. Uh, after that, he came back to the States, and him and his wife pastored the uh, Alton Assembly of God Church here in Alton, Illinois. And during that span of time in his life, uh, he became the district superintendent for the state of Illinois. Richard Dorch was a big deal in the state of Illinois for the Assemblies of God. He was a good man. He would help out little and big churches. It didn't matter. I know when Fairfield Assembly, when they uh, dedicated that building, they asked him to come in. He came into Fairfield. He preached the dedication service uh, for Fairfield Assembly of God. Richard Dorch was a good man. Richard Dorch got on the executive presbytery board for the Assemblies of God for the whole world. And it was during that course of time he was befriended and became friends with Jim and Tammy Baker. Jim Baker lured him from his job in the state of Illinois to be president of PTL Club out there in, uh, was that North Carolina? I think North Carolina. And he did that for a number of years until one night Richard Dorch received a phone call from David Wilkerson. How many heard of David Wilkerson? And again, Richard Dorch was known here and yon by a lot of people. And Dave Wilkerson cut right to the chase, just as that's how his personality was. And he said, Richard, I don't know everything that's going on at PTL. This was in 1987 was when this phone call happened. Mid-year. Mid I don't know everything that's going on out there in PTL, but there's some sin, thank you, there's some sin that's happening out there that you have the ability to stop. And Richard Dortch, he defended himself. He defended PTL. He told Wilkerson, uh, Dave, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And just kind of poo-pooed it and said, there's nothing going on here. Uh, great things are going to happen here at PTL. And Wilkerson said, I, this is what I'm just showing you, what, telling you what God showed me. And he said, here was the end thing that Dave Wilkerson told me. Richard, 
There are thousands of blackbirds that's being housed, and I can see this in my spirit, that's being housed and fluttering around the tower. Dortch laughed. He said, I laughed and said, David, I don't know what you're talking about, and hung up the phone. January, or uh, late 87, was when all that came out with Jim and Tammy. After that, 1988, January, it came out with Jimmy Swagger. And I remember when all that was going on, I seen a wag on TV saying, well, this will kill the church. The church will never get over this. And I thought, you don't know what you're talking about, bud. The church will roll on. The church did roll on. Richard Dort spent two years in prison. His wife picked him up, and he said they was just two hours by car from Heritage, USA, where PTL was at which had now, uh, they, had, they was trying to sell it and couldn't even sell it. He said, I was surprised when we pulled up that the gates were off the hinges and just somebody just pulled them down. And I was surprised that there was weeds growing four and five feet high on what was once just a well-manicured, almost like a golf field. And he said, as we rounded the bend, we was getting closer and closer to what was Heritage USA. He said, I pulled off to one side or else I would have probably drove right off the ditch. And I stood there looking out of the window of the car and with my mouth wide open and you could have knocked me over with a feather. Because he said, up in Heritage Towers, which they didn't quite get finished, which was a 25-story building, he said, up there in the very peak, there were thousands of blackbirds that were swirling and nesting in the towers. And he said, I may have been the one that could have stopped all that, but I didn't do it. And I seen him years later, 2011, early that year, I seen him on TV. And he had a three-hour program that he done on radio, and then it went to TV. And when I saw that program, I saw a truly repentant man. And then in June of 2011, Richard Dorch died. He became shipwrecked. And just like a piece that had been broken off, God was still able to use even a broken piece. God's able to use us all. And if I didn't believe that, I'd stop preaching. God's able to use us all. And if you're a broken piece, don't think that God don't want to have anything to do with you. God's looking to resurrect your life. Bow your heads, please. Father, I thank you, God, that the word of the Lord came into Jonah 
a second time. I thank you for that. God, I'm thankful that for my own life, it's not been a one and done venture. But Lord, over and over and over and over and over again, you've had to deal with me and to reel me back in. Thank God for that. And Lord, if there's people here to think and the devil sold them this, that God's through with them and God don't want to have anything to do with them. What a lie. What a lie from the pit of hell. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, 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 whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God you use broken pieces. In Jesus' wonderful name, in whom all things consist and stick together, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? The Holy Spirit is going to do this today. He's going to knock. But you know what I'm totally fearful of? But there are people here, and I don't know why this is, but I know what happens. That the first time the Holy Spirit knocked, you heard that so well, but you just refused. And the second time, Spiritually, you back further away, and the Holy Spirit knocks, and He knocks just as loud. But now you're about halfway back, and you can't hear as well. And then the Holy Spirit knocks, and now you're out in the foyer, and you just can't hear as well. And the Holy Spirit knocks, and you're outside in the parking lot, and you just can't hear as well. The Holy Spirit continues to knock, but unfortunately, so many of us position ourselves where we just are not able to hear it. Not as good as we used to. In God's name, if you're here this morning and that knock is getting less and less and less in your life, don't play games. Come on right now. God still uses shipwrecked pieces and broken pieces. Come on. See?
announce that uh, Donnie and, and uh, Dolly's daughter, Lachelle, came to Jesus this day. So that's wonderful news. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. The angels in heaven rejoice, so why shouldn't we? Amen. Amen. Right. Father, we ask and pray, Lord, for the continued blessing upon this day. Help us, Lord Jesus, just always be mindful of you. God, we feel that today I delivered what you wanted to this congregation. And I'm praying, God, that they received it joyfully. And Lord, it would make a big difference in their life. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we continue to live for you, love you. And God, we ask and pray for your blessings upon this service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.